0: The Hollywood Shuffle, the Curly Shuffle, the iPod Shuffle, all famous shuffles. Usually people wanted to shuffle on off to Buffalo, but in 1985, people were shuffling on off to Chicago. Super Bowl shuffling on off to Chicago. You see, in 1985, the Chicago Bears decided they wanted to take their talents off the field and bring them into the recording booth making a prediction that would make any fan base a little nervous. The Super Bowl Shuffle, this week on This Was a Thing. Teddy Ruxpin, Oscar win. that was a thing. this was a
1: thing. Whoa. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of
0: yesteryear. On today's episode, we're looking at the Super Bowl Shuffle. This was a thing because in 1985, music videos were still all the rage. MTV was in its infancy, and people would actually buy videotapes so they could watch their favorite videos whenever they wanted. And let's be honest, just about everyone was making one. Now, the Super Bowl shuffle may be considered the greatest collaboration of music and a sports team ever created. Released in 1985, it's a rap song performed by the Chicago Bears. Spoiler, the Bears would go on to win the Super Bowl that season. Come on, man, I haven't watched it yet. I'm a little behind. I have it on VHS. Only about 37 years behind. It's okay. The Super Bowl win would actually uh, make the song that much more infamous. They would crush the way pre-Tom Brady Patriots 46 to 10 in Super Bowl 20. But there was a lot of work behind the scenes, a lot of boastful lyrics, and even questionable donations to charity. The song features four Hall of Famers, football Hall of Fame, not rock and roll Hall of Fame. There's Walter Payton, Mike Singletary, and Richard Dent, all pro Hall of Fame, and Jen McMahon is in the college Hall of Fame. This had always been a song I'd heard about, and I'd seen the video before it, would always end up being posted on social media around the Super Bowl, pretty much... Every year. But I never knew anything else besides that they ended up actually winning the Super Bowl that year. Finding out how it was a passion project for one of the players and how we got the rest of the team involved is quite the story. Now, this is the story of the Super Bowl shuffle. The year is 1985. Willie Galt is one of the Bears' wide receiver. He's also working on his acting career. Now, he had done small acting parts, and then he met Dick Meyer through his Hollywood agent. Dick was the owner of Red Label Records, and he was working on a music video that he wanted Willie to be part of. Now, after that music video was done, Willie and Dick were talking, and they agreed that it would be fun to do a music video for the Chicago Bears. MTV was still in its early stages, so music videos were all the rage. Dick Meyer originally worked in advertising. He did successful work for a perfume company called Jovan and eventually became president of the company. He was actually the first person to have a major corporation underwrite a rock act. It was Jovan Presents the Rolling Stones in 1981, the first corporate sponsorship for a rock tour. And now you see that kind of stuff all the time. Dick and Willie had several meetings talking about what the concept of the video would be. Uh, The Bears were extremely popular at the time, so many players and even the coach were used to doing things like commercials, the coach being Mike Ditka. Willie Galt decided the whole thing would be done for charity. Everyone in the video would be paid some nominal fee, but the main purpose was we would give money to the neediest families in Chicago, and Red Label agreed to do that. That's cool. Yeah. They were having trouble writing a music track, and that's when Dick Meyer decided to resurrect a song called The Kingfish Shuffle. Now, The Kingfish Shuffle is originally from the controversial early sitcom Amos and andy co-songwriter bobby daniels recalls keyboard player richard tufo said it might be cool if we did a rap on amos and andy and the kingfish from the old amos and andy show rob could you uh give a quick description of what the amos and andy show was uh yes i can uh the the amos and
1: andy show was a very popular radio show in the 1940s and it had two characters named Amos and Andy. And there was a, a third character named uh, Kingfish. It was done in a horrible, stereotypical dialect that had been left over from the minstrel show era. And to make it even more stereotypical and offensive, the radio show was performed, I believe, by two white actors who played Amos and Andy.
0: And Kingfish.
1: And Kingfish. And then when the show went to television, they actually used black actors who then continued to talk in the dialect that the characters had spoken on the radio. It is a very uh, non-progressive... ...look at black black individuals and media.
0: That was what they wanted to base the Super Bowl shuffle on. And I would like to point out
1: that even in the 1950s... Yeah. ...Amos and Andy was controversial. So I don't understand why in the 80s... Exactly. ...they're wanting to bring like, it back.
0: It, the NAACP brought up the offensiveness of Amos and Andy in the 50s. So you know that it was bad even back then. Is
1: this an
0: actual music video that Amos and Andy did? No, I think it was just a musical like number and an Amos and Andy song, like show... And so I think they were just watching old Amos and Andy shows and said, oh, this musical number that they break out into, we're going to use as the Super Bowl shuffle. And it's called the Kingfish shuffle. I have never heard of this. I tried looking for a clip of Kingfish shuffle. There's plenty of Amos and Andy on YouTube. I kind of tried going through and it got to a point where I was like, I'm not going to find it and I'm just going to go crazy watching these. And
1: you don't want that in your search history, I would assume. Yeah,
0: exactly. So they sent the tape to Red Label Records and they tested it around the Midwest but decided not to put it out. And the next thing you know, they wanted to send the musical tracks to put the Chicago Bears on it. The lion's share of the lyrics are by Mel Owens. All that happened was they changed it to be about McMahon, who's the quarterback, and Peyton, who's a running back, and not Amos and Andy. So they took this kin- Kingfish-, Kingfish shuffle and then changed, Just the, l- changed the lyrics, lyrics okay. and made it instead of about Amos and so Andy. it's a parody song. It's, it, it, it is essentially a parody song of an Amos and Andy Andy song that a bunch of white dudes wrote going, Hey, the Kingfish Shuffle's a good idea. Let's do that. Willie Galt says he was approaching players with kids' gloves because not too many guys would be thinking about doing a rap song in the middle of a season, obviously. He was able to convince star running back Walter Payton. Walter Payton was an old school player who's now considered a legend. My dad still talks about Walter Payton. He also loved music. When he was in college, he was in a local dance show and it made it all the way on to soul train and he also played the drums here's a little clip of walter Payton. well they called me sweetness and i like to dance running the ball is like mickey mold man's we had the goal since training camp the gift chicago a super bowl champ and we're not Willie galt was quickly able to convince most of the players especially now with walter Payton's involvement always get the star exactly. and everyone follows exactly And when it comes to recording, they had background singers record the chorus so the players could sing over it, so that's pretty easy. Willie Galt was the leader of the Bears when it came to the recording studio. He would sit in on all the players recording their parts just to help out in any way he could. Each player had lyrics personalized to them, and they were free to change them if they wanted. Here's the ringleader, Willie's little verse. He's very good. Oh he was an actor too? Well, yeah, he would done bit parts, but he was the one on the team that was like, I'm gonna do I'm gonna Take this success into movies. I liked him. The Bears cornerback Mike Richardson remembers Dick Meyer wrote me up something that day. He said, where are you from? I said, L.A. And he put something together and L.A. Mike pretty much became my nickname that stuck like glue from that point on. Hey, L.A. Mike. Here's L.A. Mike with his verse. L.A. Mike, bringing it. L.A. Mike thought that Dick Meyer was a phenomenal writer for him, just to write him into the song in the way he did. He thought the way he tailor-made some of the other players' parts was magical. Defensive lineman Richard Dent felt that each person's line fit them pretty good. He doesn't remember changing much of his lyrics. They captured everyone's personalities, he thought. Here's... Richard Dent's verse.
1: The second man's i man. a quarterback, so he's gonna get We stop the run,
0: we recording engineer Fred Breitberg said each player got to rehearse in the control room until they were confident enough to record their part. Linebacker Mike Singletary was very businesslike, while linebacker Otis Wilson was very comical. Let's see how comical Otis is. you cut up Otis class clown. mama's boy
2: Otis want be The ladies are for my body as I be
1: but ain't me Okay Otis is very sexy.
0: Otis is sexy. Otis has an amazing smile. is Otis single?: I mean, he, he probably isn't because ladies love him for his body and his mind. Oh, that's so true. Damn. It was clear to everyone that Willie Galt was the one guy that wanted a Hollywood career. He was treating this like it was real. But the other guys were all groovy, As a quote. They just had bigger fish to fry, and they weren't taking this all too seriously. So it all was kind of like a fun thing for him, except for Willie, who was like go around, going around furiously, making sure everything was going to plan, because he's getting a producer credit on this, goddammit. It's going to launch me. <laughs> Willie on the refrigerator, Perry, was the Bears star rookie defensive tackle. Was that really his nickname, The Refrigerator? The Refrigerator got his nickname from his 6'2 height, 335 pound weight. He was literally the size of a refrigerator. That's great. Does he make ice? He's just a fridge, it's not a freezer combo. Yeah, maybe we can trade him. He was like a kid in a candy shop during recording, they said, he was enamored by everything and is said to have had the best personality of anyone that was on the record. Us big guys are friendly. Let me show you how friendly he is. He just seems like a fun, good guy.
1: I mean, I think one of the things we should probably tell the listeners is if you've never seen the Super Bowl shuffle, unlike other music videos where like they go to different locations and different close-ups and stuff, it's all done in one studio and they're all just standing in the studio. Yeah, and shuffling back and
0: forth. Yeah. Now a popular song from the eighties is nothing. Without a sax solo. Oh, I love a For sax this, solo. For this, Steve Eisen was called in. Steve Eisen said that he only got $65 and he didn't even know what he's really heading into. After he was finished with this part in a half hour, he said he stuck around because of how cool it was to hang out with the professional football players, which... I need to learn how to play sax if that means I get to hang out with some football players. That'd be pretty cool. Recording engineer Fred Breitberg remembers after they were done recording, I mixed it the Sunday they beat the Dallas Cowboys 44 to nothing and sent it out to Wally Tarragott. He's the guy at Capitol who mastered all the Beatles crap. (laughs) He mastered it and they stopped their entire pressing operation and shoved the Super Bowl shuffle in there and pressed it. So they got it in as quick as possible as soon as it was mixed. And I mean, the Bears really were such a big team at this point. So even outside of Chicago, but Chicago certainly helped. The Bears organization wasn't made aware of the song until the recording was finished and the music video was being planned. Did anyone
1: wonder where the players were all going off it to? It was an off day, so
0: it's like, you know, they let them be on their own. Or why why the fridge asked for a pitch pipe? The only reason they ended up telling the team is because they had to get trademark and copyright stuff. So legal reasons, or they probably would have just put this out on their own if they could. Did Mike Ditka know? He didn't know about it until afterwards. <laughs> The Bears didn't like it for two reasons. First, it was put together in such a hurry and then brought to them, so they didn't like that. Fridge has to go to his acting coach. Yeah. And in second, the Bears didn't like it because they felt it was presumptuous about a team going to the Super Bowl and was afraid that it would make them look foolish, which is understandable. Showboating? Is that the term? Uh, yes, it is. They decided it was better just to let it happen and took it up the ladder to the league offices. And like I said, not even the team's head coach, Mike Ditka, knew about it, but he says he was surprised, but he wasn't mad. Do you think that's really what happened? I mean, I feel like they were winning, and so if they were winning and just continue to win, that he's almost just like, I don't give a fuck what they do. In true coach form, he actually did say, did I think it was inappropriate? No. If you don't think you're going to win, then you're not going to win. That's why I thought the song was pretty much a symbol of the fact that they thought they were going to win.
1: Hey, uh, hey Coach, uh, can we get out of practice early tonight because uh, uh, there's a new play It's Steppenwolf, and we want to go see that. Do you think you're going to win? Yeah.
0: Okay, then go play. It's good to get out there. It's good to see the arts. (laughs) It's a good thing. It's going to make you grow as individuals. As long as you think you're going to win. That's all that matters to me. All right? Just go into that play with a winning mindset. They were able to get the song quickly onto the local radio station because the recording engineer's wife was the promotion director at the station, WLS Radio. Soon, every radio station in Chicago was playing it, but it's pretty lucky to have the promotion director of a station (laughs) be your wife. Yeah, Dick Meyer also put it on a cassette so people could listen to it on the way to the game or even tailgating, which is brilliant. And it was the first single to be released on a cassette tape, interestingly enough, which I thought was kind of crazy, I'm sure you know, they had all the records and stuff, but this was the first single to be released on a cassette tape. The music video was planned to be filmed on a Tuesday, and the Bears had a game on Monday night, so there would not be much downtime between the game ending, flying back to Chicago from Miami, and then the next day, the music video. At this point, the Bears were undefeated in the season and they went to go play the Miami Dolphins and they were big headed. They went in there knowing that they were, you know, the best team in football. And unfortunately, the Bears would end up losing the game that night and it would end up being their only loss all season right before they went in to go film the music video. Willie Galt remembered, after the loss, everyone was down and sad, and people didn't know if we should do it. Maybe it's a sign. I was like, it's not. We've already done it. We've committed to it. These guys have spent a lot of money, and people are going to benefit from it. We just have to do it. It wound up being okay. Jim McMahon and Walter Payton didn't come, but everyone else showed up. Now, let's get into MTV's Making the Video. <laughs> the crew had a 7 a.m. call time, but weren't sure if the team was even going to show, considering what happened the night before to the Bears. Things started to look up when the first players started to show up around lunchtime so you know they had a little bit of a later call the team seemed down at first but once the music started playing through the sound system oh yeah baby the mood was changed can you blame them players were getting the other players hyped as if it were on the field oh hell yeah woo! the team was told they could do any dance that they wanted it was apparent that willie galt had put more thought into it than the other guys the players that didn't get the featured singing parts would be filled into the background as backup dancers and the band. They, of course, would only have to mimic playing the actual notes. But Tyrone Key, who was the defensive lineman, played keyboard, which, considering his last name made total sense, Key. He had also taken piano lessons in fifth grade, so that was helpful. Oh. Stephen Humphreys, who was an offensive lineman, volunteered to play the drums when no one else stepped up to do it. Mike Tomczak, who was a cube, he played the guitar. He says... I watched a lot of MTV, and I kind of knew the gyrations for air guitar, so I tried to bring some of my Eric Clapton knowledge, if you will. What the fuck is this inside the actor's studio bullshit? My personal favorite, because he is really feeling it, is Reggie Phillips, who was a defensive back. He was playing the congas, and man, I mean, I feel like he watched a lot of I Love Lucy to get the proper conga. Calvin Thomas, who was the running back, had the job of playing to that sweet saxophone He says he didn't know what the hell he was doing. He said, I'd never picked up a saxophone before that time. I never picked up a saxophone since that time. I was acting. I tried to put myself in the mindset of someone who was blowing those notes for real. This makes it even more endearing. Like, he doesn't move his fingers but his pla- the, the fi- hand placement is correct and he really is, like, blowing and moving to the beat. He- absolutely. I believe it. Now, day one was completed, but still no Walter Payton or Jim McMahon. Two of the most important players still hadn't shot their part. Dick Meyer wanted to get it released as soon as possible before the Bears could lose another game. They did a version where they cut to dancers when it was Payton and McMahon's lines. Uh, It didn't work. They did a version with still pictures of them during their parts. Even worse. Walter Payton was confused about how you could do a song like that after a loss, but he was an honorable guy and agreed to film his part later in the week. So he does do the video. Yes. They shot the rest of the video a few days later on a racquetball court where the Bears practiced. The whole team was there with a small filming crew. Now, to help make it look like Peyton and Jim McMahon, who ended up doing it uh, too, were with the team the whole time, they used a new cutting-edge video technique called green screen. Mm. They thought it could be a liability at first, but it ended up being a quote pretty cool effect. Peyton and McMahon weren't in the best of moods, so they only did one take, but it was enough. Here's Jim McMahon, and tell me, can you even tell it's green screen, Rob?
2: I'm the Pucky QB known as McMahon. When I hit the turf, I've got no plan. I just throw my body all over the field. I can't dance, but I control the field. I motivate the
1: cats. Can I tell that it's green screen?
0: In 1985, probably not
1: Exactly In 1986, absolutely
0: Like, it's one of those things I've seen the video before But until I read it as green screen I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense Those two shots are green screen And the lighting was different MPI Media Group distributed the video It was only 72 hours from the time That they got the master to hit the shelves Nothing like that had ever been done before Now today, Best Buy would need a month To get a title onto their shelves So you're talking about the, the VHS The VHS got put onto stores so they literally finished the video. Got it made in, in 72 hours. hours. And got it. To, well, they, they, the time, by the time the master was done, it hit the shelves in 72 hours. Three days? Yeah. And they got the, re- the single out before the video, like, even quicker. Get the fuck out. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was just very timely. The video would go on to become a huge hit. It went on to become the second biggest selling music home video of all time behind Michael Jackson's Thriller. <laughs>
1: Hey friends, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, could you do us a favor? After you listen to today's episode, open up your podcast app and leave us a review, please. The more reviews we get, the more people will discover us, and the more people that discover us, the less lost we'll feel. You're good, buddy. It's okay.
0: Uh, look, nothing has ever been easier to do. Just go ahead and grab a pen real quick. It's okay. We'll wait. Don't worry.
1: Okay. Okay. Head on over to your podcast app, click those three dots in the lower right-hand corner, click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents
0: know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us, head on over to Patreon.com and send us some money. And in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay. That's
1: P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us. And we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So
0: thank you. Thank you. So because radio stations didn't actually register the song with Billboard, it only got to number 41. Because it was a parody song, they didn't consider it like, you know, a pop hit. Ah. But based on the sales alone, it should have been at least a top 10 song. But since it didn't get registered with Billboard, they didn't get the recognition they should have gotten. So Billboard stole it from the Bears. Ah, billboard. Just like the Dolphins did. Like I said, the Bears made it to the Super Bowl, going undefeated for the rest of the season, only losing one game. Uh, the Super Bowl was held in New Orleans that year, and everywhere that the Bears went, the Super Bowl shuffle followed. You know, we're just fun,
1: our stuff on everyone We're not here to start no trouble. We're just here to do the Super Bowl shuffle.
0: The the super bowl shuffle was even played at halftime at the superdome in louisiana so mm. that's pretty crazy to show that a team that was playing they were like well let's play the hit song luckily the bears were already leading the patriots 23 to 3 at the time so they already had a pretty good sizable lead the bears would win the game then 46 to 10 with richard dent being named mvp of the game now believe it or not The song was then nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Rhythm and Blues Performance by a group. It would go on to lose to Kiss by Prince. They were robbed. Super Bowl MVP Richard Dent reflects on the loss. Me and Mike Richardson and Willie Galt went to the Grammys and enjoyed the moment. But it's hard to fight a little guy with heels on. You can't beat Prince, you know. I make sure that they did win, and they grabbed the Grammy and,
1: like, throw it to the ground like they do with the football in the end zone.
0: Now, the song ended up being a massive success, especially after the Bears ended up winning the Super Bowl, but there was problems when it came to the charitable donations that they were supposed to give out. There were also issues with getting the players and the songwriters the little bit of money they were owed. Now, linebacker Mike Singletary was upset that it took too long for the money to go to the needy, and he's not someone... I would have wanted to get upset. When Dick Meyer came to deliver the gold record to the players, Mike Singletary actually threw his record in the garbage. Luckily, Tyrone Keyboard Key took it out of the garbage and put it in Mike Singletary's locker.
1: May I ask you a question? Did they specify what charity this was money was going to? To the needy. To the needy. It's
0: generic. It was just generic, and I think the players agreed to do it, going, oh yeah, it'll go to the needy, but I don't think they looked for specificity when it came to which... Charitable cause. Who was responsible for paying them? Dick Meyer was the, the lead head guy. Got it. So he was like, whatever money this makes, I'll pay you off, yeah.
1: and I'll give the rest to exactly. charity.
0: And so when he came to deliver the gold records and not a paycheck to them or the charity, uh, they did uh-huh. not like that.
1: I understand. I'm surprised that Mike did not just throw him into the garbage.
0: The owners of the Bear, the McCaskey family, did not like the bad publicity, and they were adamant about making sure that a large portion of the proceeds went to charity. They brought the attorney general in to investigate. Dick Meyer's attorney, Howard Rockman, says this. If you look at the cover, it says a substantial portion of proceeds for this record will be donated to help feed Chicago's neediest families. It seems there was a provision in Illinois that if you advertise that you're donating profits to a charity, it has to be 75%. Red Label had planned to give less than this, maybe 15%. So wait a minute, wait a minute. So the fucking, the guy,
1: the producer's attorney is saying... If you look at the cover, it doesn't say how much we're giving. Yeah,
0: it just said a substantial portion. And so Red Label's plan was to give 15%, but Illinois has a law... That's supposed to be 75% if you say you're giving a donation like that. These are assholes. Dick Meyer's attorney says, I had several meetings with the assistant attorney general leading up to a meeting with Dick Meyer and attorney general Neil Hartigan. And they agreed that they would donate 50% for the charity. So they went from 15 to 50. Was he going to pocket the rest? Well, he was going to pay the players what he said they would pay them, you know, like a small little nominal fee and then the band. But I'm sure, yeah, I mean, he's got to make money. He's a producer. They ended up donating $200,000 to the Chicago Community Trust, so they still got a pretty decent chunk of change, but, you know, it could have been $300,000 if they did the 75. Dick Meyer sadly passed away in 1992 from prostate cancer, and his wife Julia has been very protective of her late husband's legacy and very aggressive at protecting the Super Bowl Shuffle license. In 2010, a lot of the players from the Super Bowl Shuffle reunited with Boost Mubble, who did an ad for the Super Bowl parodying the super bowl shuffle it was called the boost mobile shuffle mike ditka was much more involved this time and it was not well received by the world some players actually said they returned just to see some of their old friends from the team here's a clip of that now
1: we are the boost shuffling crew still trusting our us that wrong to you my name's McMahon. Oh, that's sad.
0: <laughs> Jim McMahon, who had a great head of hair, is now wearing a sweatband, and he's bald. What's—is there a problem with that? No. Willie Galt had this to say on the whole uh, experience, reflecting on it: I think we helped the NFL viewership. People saw the video and they wanted to see what the fuss was, and viewership increased. I can't tell you how many ladies came up to me to say something about me moving my hips. I think it gained ladies as NFL fans. Not to pat myself on the back, but we helped build the NFL to where it is now. At the time we won the Super Bowl, it was the most viewed Super Bowl in history, and that was because of all the stuff on the field and because of the Super Bowl Shuffle. Okay. Now, there had been some songs by professional American sports teams before the Super Bowl Shuffle. There was the Cincinnati Red Stockings, the first professional baseball team from 1869 to 1870, sang a song to spectators prior to some of their games. Here is the opening We are a band of baseball players from Cincinnati City. Sadly, no recording was ever made or distributed by a record label. I thought that was what you were playing me, was an album. See, I have a very good feeling. In 1977, Denver Broncos running back John Keyworth sang, Make Those Miracles Happen by L. Meeks and M. Waynard. However, the Broncos did not win the 78 Super Bowl. This is my favorite. In 1981, after the Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series, four members of the team, Jerry Roos, Jay Johnston, Rick Monday, and Steve Yeager, recorded a cover of Queen's We Are the Champions. They were known as the Big Blue Wrecking Crew. The short lived group performed their song on the TV show Solid Gold. Ooh, Solid Gold dancers. No! First of all, what
1: I love about this clip is these guys all look like sixty-five, and I bet you anything they're in their twenties. Oh,
0: absolutely, yeah, or, or yeah, early thirties, maybe. They're wearing their leisure suits because they were still popular in eighty-one, and these guys you can tell are professional athletes because they're standing at mics i was hoping they were going to do like a barbershop version of we are the champions like oh my god steve yeager has that great baritone voice i had no idea (laughs) in early 1986 before the super bowl as a response to the bears and the super bowl shuffle the new england patriots recorded their own team song new england the patriots and we whose lyrics recounted their success in the playoff brackets and predicted victory against the bears in super bowl 20 so the Patriots were playing the Bears and they said, hey, we're gonna release a song too. New England. The Patriots and Me. New England, the Patriots and Me. On to victory. Is the person singing? Is that someone on the team? No. So it has random backup singer singing the song. The team didn't sing at all. And there's also Boston area celebrities, including Robert Urrich, and there was local media personalities, and then there was cut ins to the team from just random Oh, look it, we won this game. So the team wasn't involved, so it didn't have the same heart as the Super Bowl shuffle. Now despite the song's optimistic predictions, the Patriots did lose to the Bears in that Super Bowl forty six to ten. So they didn't have New England, the Patriots and we. There were tons plenty of others that follow but nothing to the success of the super bowl shuffle there was even a parody of the macarena the green bay packers created the pacarena in 1996 during their super bowl 31 run now i just have to mention this About a year after the success of the Super Bowl Shuffle, Dick Meyer thought it would be a good idea to try and strike gold twice. He decided to make another song and video, but this time with coach Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka made a comment in the press about wanting his team to be made up of regular guys. As he said, Grabowskis. So Dick Meyer's company Red Label tried to do a song and video around that. The magic was not recaptured. Mike Ditka says that he does not remember this happening at all. I present to you a clip of the Grabowski Shuffle. I've been a Grabowski from the start. Takes plenty work and plenty of art to be Grabowski through and through. Gotta show me a can and go out and do More you try. What do you think? First
1: of all, that is Mike Ditka. Yep. He is performing. The Grabowski Shuffle. What does
0: Grabowski even mean? That was just his terminology for a regular guy. Like, we just want a regular guy. We just want regular guys on the team. Just Grabowski's. Like a regular Joe. Just a, re- a Grabowski's just a regular Joe. Just a normal guy. We don't want showboaters. We just want a normal Grabowski on the team. And
1: uh, they also have to have some experience with ballet, jazz, hip-hop, tap. Uh, if they can belt up to a G, that would be great. And uh, if you've got a nice facility with language or some special skills like accents, dialects, (laughs) we'd love to have you uh, come be on on our team. Now, uh, on Monday, we're going to be playing uh, the the
0: Dolphins in rep with Uncle Vanya. Apparently, the casting process for this. (laughs) The the Grabowski Shuffle. For the Grabowski Shuffle, like Dick Meyer had all these guys come in to be Grabowskis, and one was going to be, like, it seems like it almost seemed like he was trying to create, like, the village people. Yeah, Yeah. but with Grabowskis. With Grabowskis, yeah. But I'll tell you something about the Grabowski Shuffle. Man, I can't stop moving my body. Good goddamn. I think I need to take a break. A dance break. When we get back, I'll be asking my football superfan (laughs) co-host, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what his favorite type of shuffle is. I actually have one. I'm sure you do, and we will talk about it when we get back. This
1: was a thing, this was a thing.
0: And now, this is a sketch. Game.
1: I was shocked to find out they weren't actually playing the instruments in
0: the video. Who would have guessed that? You're telling me. I just assumed these guys could do it all. Uh, they got opponents to beat. while. Wow. They're keeping a beat. Hey, that's pretty
1: good. I gotta say, though, it's a little bit boastful, no? Now, don't get me wrong, they're gonna win the Super Bowl, but there's
0: something about it. I'm so glad you said that. This has been eating at me like a Giordano's deep dish, extra mozzarella. Uh, The song is great, but
1: I got superstitions. You're telling me I haven't talked to my father ever since they hired Ditka. Not a superstition, you know, just an excuse not to talk to my father. Ditka's my new daddy. You know, maybe if Coach appeared on the song, then I could feel some comfort. Yeah, I feel like he deserved a verse or something. They could have gotten him to pretend to play a trombone or something in the music video. Actually, I I picture him being more of a strings instrument kind of guy. I can see that. I uh, just wish that maybe the song didn't predict the Super Bowl win. But NFC
0: Central Division Champion Shuffle uh, probably would have been real hard to rhyme with. But I bet it would have done just as well. And eh, Watch, watch, watch. Uh, we're not here to start no trouble. We're, we're just, just here to, here to, to do, do the, the NFC, NFC Central, Central Division, Division Champion, Champion Shuffle.
1: Shuffle. Yeah, okay, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's not as good. No, no. Hey, you patriot-loving foreigner. Don't put any ketchup on that there kielbasa. This is Chicago. Yeah, go back to Clam
0: Town. Thank you. This was a sketch. Well, Rob, the listeners have to know, what is your
1: favorite shuffle? I don't know if you can pull this up on YouTube. Please type in Curly Shuffle. C-U-R-L-Y Shuffle. Curly Shuffle.
2: Hey Moe, hey Moe. Hey Mo, hey Moe. Hey, Mo. Well, uh,
1: This was at the Three Stooges Renaissance in the '80s. They came out with a song called "The Curly Shuffle" to celebrate the great Three Stooge, oh Curly Howard. God, there is no Shemp Shuffle, by the way, folks, or a Joe Besser, or even a Curly Joe Dorita Shuffle. What about
0: Curly Joe Dorita. Curly Joe Dorita <laughs> Shuffle. Now, personally, I don't think this kind of thing, the Super Bowl Shuffle, could ever happen again today. At least uh, a team predicting that they'll win a championship by music video. Yeah, it just seems like bad luck. If I was a Bears fan and was around this time, I could imagine I would not have thought this would be helpful. I'm assuming that had they lost, I mean this would have been devastating. Yeah, I think it would have had a whole different <laughs> a whole different take on the future. But I feel like I think this might have motivated other teams to do it, but this is the only team that ever had a Super Bowl prediction song and actually won the Super Bowl or any championship. This is the kind of thing that pisses other teams off (laughs) i'd imagine i'm not a professional athlete but i could see this being motivation this is the kind of thing that would lead them to play extra hard against you and they would want to win even more just despite you and the song did the patriots
1: have like burning parties where they would like throw the cassettes Of the Super Bowl shuffle, like, into the fire? I
0: didn't see anything about that. I saw their big response was New England, the Patriots, and we. Oh, so they're like, we can can sing two guys. No, exactly. It was like, okay, well, the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. Let's throw this together. the
1: Super Bowl to a fucking Glee episode.
0: Oh, exactly. I do appreciate that it maybe gave fans a more intimate look at some of the some of their favorite players. This was obviously before an athlete could go on Instagram and upload a silly video of themselves to make the fans realize that they are relatable too, you know? Athletes, they're just like us. At $24 million a day. No, exactly. But uh, but you know, they do TikToks and all that kind of stuff now, showing like, hey, I'm funny, but this was like the closest thing you could probably get to seeing one of, you know, your favorite team go, oh, look at are joking around, which I think I appreciate. I do remember that around the time when the Harlem Shake, remember that was going around, everyone was doing a video of the Harlem shake. The Miami Heat actually posted a video of their team doing it in their locker room. This was when LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh was on the team. But I remember when the Heat did it, People did not like it, and it was posted on their social media, and they especially disliked it because the Heat were really good at the time, and people viewed it as them being confident and cocky. The Harlem Shake, people viewed them doing, and it was just like, hey, let's do it. So I could imagine now with social media, with people doing the Harlem Shake and getting pissed off, what a Super Bowl-winning music video prediction would do, (laughs) as opposed to just like, hey, let's get on the meme train. (laughs) That Their PR guy would be like, hey, would you guys be cool to do just a goof? You'd never see a team do a music video because, like I said, absolutely everything goes through social media managers nowadays, and it's much easier to get away with something like this back in 1985. What I do love is you can tell the players are enjoying themselves, yes. and it makes it, you know, the the final product even better because it's like, oh, okay, they, they went in with a positive mindset, especially after losing the only game of the season. This should definitely be something that is celebrated because it's just, it's a fun music video from the early days of music videos, and it's not even just pretentious rock stars trying to look as cool as possible it's literally athletes rapping hoping that their money goes to charity hoping (laughs) yeah exactly even if you aren't a bears fan it's still fun if you are a bears fan this is an awesome piece of team history for you to get to remember they made a music video saying that they were going to win the Super Bowl, and they won the Super Bowl. That takes balls no matter who you root for. The Bears have had a lot of ups and downs as a team since that Super Bowl win, but hey, at least they got that shuffle, huh? They got that shuffle, and you know what we got? What? A game. Oh, boy. This was a thing, and now it's a quiz.
2: This is a this was a quiz. Mark Schroeder.
1: Hey, Mark Schroeder. How you doing? Hello. I'm doing darn
2: good. How are my super fans doing? Wonderful. Huh?
1: What What is your football team?
2: My football team is the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, good choice.
1: Philadelphia. And Mark, for college football, what is it?
2: Penn State, we baby. Are Penn State. Yeah. Can't say I've watched a single Penn State game since probably before I went there. Uh, <laughs> no, I went, I went to a game. But did you see when Keegan-Michael
0: Key went in the locker room? Oh, he, was, he looks, looks just cool.
1: like the coach. Now, Mark, you, I think, graduated by this point, but uh, I was still teaching there. I don't know if you know this. Do you know that I was elected the faculty homecoming king?
2: That doesn't make any sense to me.
1: For homecoming, there was a student homecoming court and a faculty homecoming court. Oh. And I was elected the king. Donna Meyer from the Shryers Honors College was my queen. And at the football game, they brought us out to the 50-yard line and waved. My dad flew in from California to, see,
2: to see me. Now, this is a serious question. Okay, so yes. you're in the middle of Beaver Stadium, yes. the 50-yard line. What was it like being on the 50-yard line? That's what I want to know, in, in a packed stadium. Exhilarating. That's, that's crazy.
1: Exhilarating. Yeah. To have everyone just there booing at you <laughs> is just so incredible. They're
2: like, what the fuck is a faculty homecoming game? <laughs> anyway, Super Bowl shuffle was a fun time in history, and it, the Chicago Bears, okay? They're not my team, but they are Chicago's team. They're and someone's team. They're yeah. someone's team. And I bet if they're your team, you know their colors because people know their team colors. So we're going to play some team colors today. Oh, my God. And okay. it's going to be hard, especially for Rob. I think Ray's going to do pretty good in a game that I'm calling Color Me Impressed. Okay. I'm going
1: to be honest. The colors are going to be hard because I don't know who picks the athlete's colors, but like nobody is thinking of light. Nobody right. else is thinking of what the background is going to be. Well, it's green. So we it's always green. And the energy and the aura, just everything is off. But let's go. I'm just saying I will tell you the colors i'm not supporting them
2: okay that's fair yeah you're each gonna go separately it's gonna be a speed round okay you're gonna have 30 seconds i'm gonna name the team color and you're going to tell me what nfl team it is (sighs) okay so i've got them split up between the afc the american football conference and the nfc the national football conference I'm going to let Ray go first because oh, I've got God, a good feeling oh, that he's no. going to do oh, very well. So, Ray, okay. you're going to get the AFC, the okay. American Football Conference. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to go through. There's two, four, seven, there's 16 teams something like that. I'm going to try and go really, really fast. We'll see how many you can get in 30 seconds. Starting the timer right now. Aqua green and orange. Oh, gosh, that's the Miami
0: Dolphins. Navy blue and red. Navy blue and red. Well, Patriots. Green and white. Green and white.
2: Eagles? Or Jets. Yes. Purple, black, and gold. Purple, black, and gold. Oh jeez. It's next. Blue a royal blue, red and white. Uh Bills. And black and orange. Black and orange is uh Bengals. Yes, time.
0: You got five. Who's the one I missed?
2: You missed the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. The Baltimore oh, Ravens were purple, black, and gold, Ugh. Mr. Rob Schneider. You know what? I'm not even going to time. I'm not even going to time this. Don't even consider time a factor. There's no time on the clock. Take as much time as you need to plumb the depths of your knowledge. And wh- what is this? This conference? is the National Football <laughs> Conference, the NFC. It's like Comic-Con. <laughs> Here we go. Navy blue and gray. The Steelers. Lions. No. Oh. Might have a big old hat. Might be wearing a big old hat. Buccaneers. Swinging a big old lasso, maybe. Texas. Something in Texas. Correct. Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys. Great job, Rob. Okay, royal blue, red, and white. Royal blue, red, and white. Pass, pass. Royal blue,
1: red, and white. These are the Seattle Mariners. That is incorrect. I think you're incorrect.
0: Go to the next
2: question. Uh, Can we go to the next question? Sure. Dark green, gray, and white. It's the Philadelphia Eagles, man. Exactly right, dude. Burgundy and gold. Burgundy. And gold. Very uh, uh, controversial team name. The Redskins? Correct. Damn. Damn Snyder over here. Yeah, dude. Okay, Honolulu blue. Silver, black, and white. Colts? Let's try Colts. Colts. Incorrect. Once had a burgeoning industry that is no more. As it's coming back. Detroit. Oh, the Lions. Yes, yes. The Detroit Lions. Bay green and cheese gold. Green Bay Packers Nice Rob Schneider Purple, Gold, and White Uh, Vikings Vikings Black, Red, and Silver The Raiders This is a bird The Hawks The Seahawks No The uh, the The Ravens Atlanta Atlanta Hawks Atlanta Hawks It is Atlanta But it's not the Hawks Han Solo flew one of these Falcons There it is Black, medium blue, and white. Give me a clue about the city. There's a North and South one of these. Dakotas. <laughs> it is the South. Sorry, you're right. It's the South Dakota Panthers.
0: Oh, the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> the, the Carolina
2: Panthers. Correct. Black and gold. Tricky one. Black and gold. The Raiders. Black and gold. The Lakers. Black and gold. The Dodgers. The Saints. The Saints. Yes, absolutely. Red, gray, and black. Red, gray, and black? <laughs> Jeez, come on, man! Give me a hard one. Are you gotta say something. <laughs> you gotta just say give it's me so, a hard it's one. It's so fucking
1: easy. I'm not even gonna say it. Give me a hard one. It's the it's the pirates, man.
0: <laughs> oh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's the Buccaneers, yes, man. That's
2: correct. Go Bucs! This guy is a football fanatic. I, it's crazy. I had no idea you had this in him. Way to go! Well, Rob destroyed Ray in that game. Uh, I'm really Ray's sorry. You gotta watch more
0: football, man. <laughs> yeah,
2: you really got a pigskin up, bro. You've been to a fucking
0: game. I paid for fucking season ticket.
2: Yeah, okay. Do you watch? What do you do? You eat the food? Well, if we learn one. Thing today it's that Rob's a big
1: football head oh my god totally big time what's the best game you ever saw I'll tell you mine one time I saw the Lakers play the Mets it was the best thing I ever fucking saw man (laughs) and it went to a shootout it went to a shootout and real guns uh, Tiger Woods got four goals it was amazing damn you were there for that one orchestra seats right up close splash section splash section yeah. did anybody sign their hockey stick and give it to you yeah a couple of people did Babe Ruth <laughs> Oral Hershiser, and Herschel Walker awesome oh man thank you so much for this Mark yeah, I, I feel one. like I have to go back and study some more uh, alright friends hope you have a safe wonderful weekend happy, happy so- I
0: don't know if we're allowed to say it why not I think the big game you have to say the big game happy big game note
1: to our editor do the shuffle <laughs> Do the shuffle. No, oh, Super not... Bowl shuffle. Oh, The music video is a little bit rough. When I saw them years later doing a chorus line, though, it was really impressive. <laughs> they worked really hard. I can't tell you how many guys just said, I want I want to say, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball, <laughs> yeah. I like Richie's. I wish he had a longer verse. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys play the fucking ball?
0: <laughs> Marvin Hamlis is just like, I don't know what's happening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Talk Thank to you. you. Soon. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this was a thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut Cut Schwartzberg. Our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, Our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford! Our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic, Desavia, to Savia! And finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder! If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ThisWasAThingPod and Facebook we are ThisWasAThingPodcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show.